Hello, you're listening to the Life Worship Center podcast with Pastor Helene Robinson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this message. Well, those of you that have your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And I don't plan on being long, but you know that's totally up to the Lord. Hallelujah, John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Hallelujah. Now, as you're turning there, I want to say that as a believer, whether you are a person in leadership in the church, whether you like it or not, one of the crises of being a believer is there is a cost to leadership. In this dark world, we are believers and there's a cost to leadership. We, we may not want to lead, but because you're saved, the Lord requires us to lead. He requires us to be an example. So there is a cost to leadership. And as I was studying and reading, the Lord took me to John chapter six. And I want you to have that in mind because we read this before, we have talked about this, I believe if you've been in church at any time, you've heard these scriptures. But I want us to look at it through the lens of there being a cost to leadership. There's a cost, there's a cost. There are certain sacrifices we have to make. There are certain people we have to think about before ourselves. There's a certain amount of suffering in leadership. Um, it is funny, when I, I first got married, my mom talked to me before we had children. She said that you and Mike like stuff. Y'all like to do stuff. So y'all have, a, you know, depending on how many kids you have. And remember, y'all like stuff, and having children requires sacrifice. So, you know, when you're, when you're married and you have a husband and stuff and you don't have no children, you go out to the mall and it's all about you. Uh-huh. I'm just going to talk to y'all like, well, yeah, you know I ain't going in the little kids' shops. The section ain't nothing there for me. I don't even care if y'all ain't make it. Hallelujah. I walk right on past it. But then when you have children, now your little pennies are split between you and somebody else. Am I right? Okay. I just want to make sure. You know, now when you have little children, you come home, you just want to get something to eat. You grab a little something on the way. But now when you have children, you're planning about the meal ahead. You know what I'm saying? You got to get all this nutritious stuff. You got to do all of that. But see, when you don't have children, there's there's not that sacrifice that you have to make, right? Now, when you become a believer and Jesus has washed you whiter than snow, whether you like it or not, there's a certain level of sacrifice that goes along with being a believer. Now, I want to talk in the natural before we get here. As a believer, I can't say everything I want to say. As a believer, I can't go everywhere I want to go. As a believer, I can't do anything I want to do. As a believer, I can't wear anything I want to wear. Hallelujah. I think I'll stick right there. As a believer, I can't go anywhere I want to go. As a believer, I can't say anything I want to say. As a believer, I can't wear anything I want to wear. See the sacrifices that we have. You know why? Because we name the name of Christ. Uh Mm -hmm. So let's see what our 
Lord, the one having all power and all authority. There are some things that he had on his mind other than himself. So John chapter 6, verse 1, and let's start at verse 1. It says, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him. Now, as a believer, here is something that comes along with the territory that we may not like, but as a believer, there should be people following you. Yeah. There are people, believe it or not, we say they're watching us. Yes, remember how the old saints used to say there's always somebody watching you? But I take it a little further. As a believer, there should always be someone following us. Even as children and parents, we know that our children are watching us. So there's a certain level of sacrifice we make with them. But it says, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he had done, uh, did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. So, so far, there's a great multitude that's following Jesus because they saw what he did. As a believer, there's that responsibility that people should be following you because they see who you are. Every now and then, ask the Lord, is anybody following me? Is anybody following me? Am I making an impact in anybody's life where they want to follow me? So Jesus, because of what he did, people were following him. Verse 4, and the Passover, and the Passover, a feast of the Jews was now. And when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, a great multitude had, had evolved. And Jesus looked up and realized all these people that have now begun to follow him. A real believer is always conscious yeah. of those around them. I'm going to help you. The Lord can't really use you if you're a selfish believer. The Lord can't do great things for you if you're only thinking about you. The, the, Lord, the Lord can't really help you to make an impact in the kingdom if your world solely evolves around you. Yeah. I get a little leery of people where their prayer life is all about them. Bless me and mine, and that's about it. And amen. amen. When I run down the list of people that I want the Lord to bless, it's those that are solely attached to me. I'm a little concerned because as a believer, my scope of influence should be greater than just those that I know. Yes. So Jesus lifted, verse 5, when Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? Mm -hmm. Jesus looked out and realized people had begun to follow me because of what they saw. Mm -hmm. I want to look up one day and see people following me because of the Jesus they see in me. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. There should be people following us because of the Jesus that they see, not because of what I can give them. Not because of who I am and someone's popularity and fame. But I don't want people following me because they see Jesus in me. Yeah. See, we're trying to win people the wrong way. Uh -huh. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're trying to win people because we want to give them things and auction off things and make it a gamut or a game to draw people. The only thing that should draw people, he said, if I and I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. I don't want to put on that we're going to have all this big fanfare and these huge giveaways and they leave here and never see Jesus. Jesus lifted up his eyes and he saw a great company come unto him. And he said unto Philip, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? Jesus was moved with compassion as he looked around and said, whoa, where have all these people come from? They are following me. The first thing I do as a believer when I realize people are following me, Jesus turns to look back and say, now what can I do for you? Not what can y'all do for me, but what can I now do for you? Jesus was not impressed that a great multitude was following him. You know why? Because he was doing the Lord's work, and that's supposed to be the way it happens. But he says, he, Philip, wait a minute. There's a great multitude. Where can we buy bread that they have something to eat? In these last days, we have people that are following other people. But the people that they're following have selfish motives. They're, they're looking to see how much I can get from the people instead of how much I can give to the people. I will be honest with you. When you're in ministry in the church, usually you, you're always negotiating with the Lord as to how you can get out of something. You're never signing up saying, Lord, I want to do this. Lord, I really want to be a pastor. I want to. You love him, though, but you're not really signing up for that. You know why? Because when you sign up for work in the kingdom, you're automatically saying it's a life of sacrifice. It's a life of giving. It's a life of denial. It's a life of putting others before you. So Jesus looks up. He turns and finds out there are lots of people, and then he says, fill up. How can I get bread for these people to eat? He didn't say go back home because I don't have nothing to feed you. Well. <laughs> he didn't say, I don't know where y'all came from, but if you leave and swing by the McDonald's and come back in an hour, I'll still be here. <laughs> he didn't say that. He said, Philip, how can we? How can I? How can we meet the needs of all these people that have come to see me? Can I tell you something? When you come to church, always come to see Jesus. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Don't people can come to church with all different motives. Isn't that interesting? You know, a church with a good choir all the time, some can, you know, you see them. They get with the choir and then about preaching time, they kind of zone out. They're still there, right? <laughs> you know, and then some with a choir may not be the best, and they know it, and they're going to muddle along through. But then the word comes forth, and they up on their feet. You can tell people come to church with all different motives. Just because we're in church doesn't mean we came with the same motive. But here's the thing. I don't care. How you come, just come to see Jesus. Yeah. Now, here's the interesting thing about Jesus. He really could show up when the choir sang. Well. You get one of them mothers that's the got in there, honey, and she's shouting and singing at the same time. You can see Jesus right there. You, he can show 
we talk and we pray every single day. I come to church to see Jesus. I can't remember the, I mean, it, it's just so amazing to me with so much other stuff that's happening in kingdom work now that you can actually come to church and not see Jesus. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. You can actually come to church, watch this, and leave the same way you came. And if you get a mean usher, you leave worse than when you came. Worse than when you came. You know, you sit next to somebody that's annoying you, you leave, come in happy, and you leave mad. Yeah. But whenever you gather, here's a benchmark as to where you're supposed to be. If you leave and see Jesus and you're better off, that's a good spot. Amen. When you now, I didn't say you have to be happy and skipping. When you leave here, sometimes you're leaving with a word of correction. So I may not be happy with Jesus' program. Yeah. You know, I didn't think Mama loved me unless she was giving me something. I ain't understand that foolishness about Beecher because I love foolishness. <laughs> foolishness. I didn't know CPS name of a boy. I didn't understand you causing harm because you love me. Right? Mm. But I'm telling you, when you delve into the word of God and you realize that he's our father, I can leave here with a word of correction. Yeah. May not be skipping and happy, but I leave here and I apply the word and I shall be better. Yeah. So Jesus sees the multitude and then he turns to Philip, where can we get food to feed them? Mm. Not what they can do to me. Not where all these people come from. Now, I don't know why they're following me. I don't have anything to give. He says, tell me how can we help the people? Mm -hmm. Every day we should be getting up as believers and saying, how can I help someone? Yes. How can I let someone see Jesus? Jesus is not seen in what I dress. Amen. We have it so, so confused. I am not even classified as blessed just because I drive a nice car. Mm -hmm. That don't make you blessed. You just got a nice car. And I don't even know if you're paying for it like you should. It's my son. That doesn't classify you as blessed. Because what you wear, that doesn't classify you as blessed. Where do we get these earthly definitions to suit a God of heaven and earth? Where, where have we applied carnal means to define God? He's not impressed with what you wear. He doesn't call you. Matter of fact, you can drive a fancy car, live in a big house, and he will call you a heathen. Yes, it's in the book. It's in the book,
They have it going on. Tormented in the mind. Taking a pill to get up and a pill to go to sleep. Drinking through the day just in that. I would rather have Jesus. Amen. Jesus sees the people. Sees the people and he says, where can we buy bread that these may eat? Look at verse 9. And this he said, watch this. Jesus already knows what you have. Jesus already knows your capacity to give. That's why offering time is never a time of pressure. Man made pressure out of offering. Man did that. The pastor said, give a thousand dollars. You in your head, you ain't talking to me. <laughs> and I ain't mad. You ain't talking to me. So I don't feel no pressure. Sister, I don't feel no pressure at all. Because if I don't have it, you ain't talking to me. Amen. <laughs> don't that make sense? Man has made pressure out of something God intended. Watch this. God intended you to freely give. Amen. He never intended for somebody to have to put a dollar amount. See, I would never put a dollar amount, Sister Cheryl, on offer. You know why? I'm expecting God to bless y'all to the overflow. So, Sister, my little thousand is way less than you can really give. I'm believing step up there in there several thousand, and I don't cap it out without the devil. Give free. <laughs> So I am supposed to give, watch this, the Bible says, as the Lord has prospered uh-huh. me. Amen. 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 So giving is never a problem. If I, I grew up when we didn't, if we didn't have anything, y'all know, they told you to walk around and touch the table. He said, because the next time you probably had some, I go up there rubbing on the door and <laughs> Because the next time going to be my turn. Yeah. Giving is not something that should be pressured. Yeah, yeah. So Jesus says, how are we going to feed these people? And verse 9 is interesting. Or 6, it says, and this he said to prove him. This he set up this way. Oh, Jesus. So interesting. There are situations in our lives he has set up to prove himself. Thank you. Oh. Jesus already know you don't have it. And he set it up that way so he could prove himself. If I could talk to him, he wouldn't listen to me at all. Jesus, I know you're able. You're not good for me. You and I close. I don't need to. I know you. So let's get that part. Just going on. He set stuff up in our life just so he can prove himself in our life. Amen. Oh, yeah, he, he could give it to you way in advance. But he waits a day or two up top before they can cut that mess off. Won't like, do it, Won't do it. Lord, you could have answered a week ago. Why? I had to go right up to the left. He said, you know me better now than you did before. Yes, Lord, I did. Amen. Pray the extra little hard. Yes, I did. But the Bible says he asked them to feed all these people. Watch this. And this he said to prove himself. Now can I tell you, don't get angry with God when he sets stuff up to prove himself. He's only doing it so when you come out of it, you are normal. Not bad. 
If we tell them the truth and shame the devil, the things that we really had to work for meant more to us. Amen. In college, I had a class, statistics. I know my professor. Matter of fact, I kept my notebook for that class years after it was over. No, that's one of the these classes I've ever had to take. So when I earned my grade in that class, I knew I was a student. The other time I was skating, but I knew. <laughs> Graduated off, but that one meant something to me. You know why? Because I had to work the hardest. The Lord says the things that I set up in your life to prove myself, those are the things that cause you to grow. Mm -hmm. yes. Those are the things where you look back over and say, that's when I learned who God really was. Yes. If he answered every prayer every time you prayed on your timetable, you would be like an immature kid. You would never grow. But he says, I stack the deck against you right. sometimes. So I can prove who I am. Watch this. To be honest with you, we only, I don't care how long you've been saved, you only know a smidgen of who God is. He's so big, he's so wide, he's so infinite, he's so powerful. Trust me, I don't care how long you've been saved, guess what? You only know a smidgen of God. Our minds can't even comprehend how great he is. I don't care what great things he accomplished in your life. In the end, guess what? When they said, well done, and all, it's only a, you only got to know him a smidgen. But in this life, he sets the stage such that you get to know him better and better. Sometimes, these are doing our hard times. So he asked them, where are we going to get the bread to feed him? He says, I'm doing this. This is what he said to himself to prove it. For he himself, watch this, knew what he would do. Yeah. He already knew what he was going to do. Stack the deck against them. Asking something of the disciples that he knows they cannot do. Somebody would call that a mean God. Somebody would call that a God that's picking with me. Why you ask me to do something you know I can't do? Because I'm going to prove to you that through and in me, you can do anything. Yes, ma'am. Verse 6. And Philip answered him. Listen to Philip now. I'm not mad at Philip. Philip is us. 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them. That every one of them may take a little. He says, Jesus, I'm going to tell you right now, and I know who you are, and I've seen you open the blinded eyes. I was there. I was front row. I was your adjutant. I was right there. I was on the front line. I was right there in testimony service. I saw the blind. I was. But let me help you. You want to know where we're going to get bread to feed these people. Philip says, and I hope you don't strike me. Let, just let me let you know what's in the bank. <laughs> now, between you and me, and I'm not going to say it loud, man. <laughs> Jesus, hold on now. Bread is not enough, not sufficient to feed the people. I'm just throwing that out there. Don't get angry with me. Don't shoot the messenger. Okay. Verse 8 says, and one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad. See, here's the thing. I, I love this story because I don't care how hard it is. I don't care how difficult it is. I don't care what God asks you and you automatically saying, I don't have it and I can't do it. Take a minute before you answer out of the flesh and look around and see what you got. Just look around. Just look around. Just look around. 
Now, the lad was already there. But Philip told him the reality of it, where I would normally get stuff from to get bread. I would get it from my bank account, wouldn't I? I would get it from my, he says, now, from what we normally pull from, our resources, we don't have enough. Andrew comes along and says, I ain't denying what Peter said, but Jesus, here's a thought. There's a lad here. I'm going to tell you now, I don't know what you want to do with the lamb. I'm just telling you that's a fish. But hey, do what you need to do. Let me tell you, if Jesus tells you to do something, yes. there is a means for you to do it. Yes. If Jesus tells you to do something, there is a means for you to do it. Amen. Now, I will say this. It's so interesting. My grandmother, my mother's mother, was a cook galore. And she would walk in the kitchen and pull from stuff on the shelf stuff and pull stuff out the refrigerator and before you know it, we had dinner. Well, I would go in there and say, we need to go to the grocery store because there's nothing here. <laughs> I would say, we don't have anything to eat. And she'd come back and say, yes, we do, child. And she'd go in there and pull something and she would cook for us and we would sit down and eat. The, the carnal mind, me of my own means, because of my limited expertise, I didn't see what I thought I needed. But somebody full of wisdom and anointing makes something out of nothing. Jesus is the same way. Don't tell him about your 200 penny word for me. If I said we gonna feed him, somebody keep looking and give me an alternative plan. And you said, there is a boy with a lump. It don't seem like a good plan, but there's a boy. <laughs> he ain't got a big lunch either. There's a boy with a lunch. Not a grown man, because a grown man would have had more fish. You have the nerve to tell me there's a lad. <laughs> with a kid's meal. There it is. With a kid's meal out here with us. <laughs> so I still think we're in trouble, to be honest with you. I mean, six on one side, Trish, half dozen on the other. We're still short. So let's see what you, now mind you, Jesus did it this way to prove himself. Not us. Yeah, he did it this way. Verse 10, and Jesus said, make the men sit down. Ah. Now all of this, and proving, now remember we said there's a cost to leadership. Jesus himself realized that because of who I am, I have caused this crowd to form. And it is my responsibility now to meet the needs of this crowd that has formed because of me. As a believer, we should be walking every day where people are following us. And when I turn and look, I am anointed to meet the needs of the people that are following me. Yeah. Yeah. So Jesus himself, by having them follow, had now obligated himself to take care of these people. You didn't want me following those, not working miracles. Hey, they follow. Let's see what happens. Verse 10, and Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. Okay, so I have a lad with a lunch and 5,000 men. <laughs> now, any instruction Jesus gave other than let's go to the fish store <laughs> is we out here just winging it now. Jesus said for y'all to sit down, so sit down. These are just the men now. And Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks. See, 
This is where we lose out. This is where we lose out. This is where we lose out. Even out of our little, if I don't recognize that my little can be much, I won't give thanks for it. Here is why the Lord has not taken us to an abundant place yet. Because I have little that the Lord will bless, but I don't appreciate my little. Here is where this story turns right here at verse 11. It, this is what separates you from walking in the abundance or you still going around the same bush. It says, and Jesus took the load. So now Jesus has taken the last lunch and the first thing he does is he gives thanks. We have our little and we still complain to Jesus about our little and we never thank him for it and we're waiting for the abundance. He says it doesn't work that way. You have to thank me for the little and believe that out of the little, I will make much. Uh -huh. Yeah. Matter of fact, some of us have wasted our little. Yeah. Some of us have wasted our little because in our eye, it wasn't enough. So we say, God, I know you can't be using this, so I'm just going to spend it. Ain't got enough of his shoes anyway. I'm going to waste my little because I know it's still not enough. Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples. Look what happens when I give thanks. Something supernatural happens when I give thanks. Something supernatural happens when I preach. Something supernatural happens when there's a smile on my face and a jumping in my step with the little bit I got in the refrigerator. Glory to God. Something happens that when I realize I just paid the bills this much and I don't have no overflow, but everybody paid. And nothing off, honey. Water's still running, light's still on. Glory to God. I just got enough. To have a last one more week. Glory to God. Prayer we can put on. Something happens when all of my needs are met. Something happens when that spirit of thanksgiving takes over. They didn't say they found another lad. They still are dealing with a kid's meal of this little boy's food. What happens to a kid's meal? I, I thank God for it. Jesus. Something happens. Stop cursing your little. Mm. Stop telling God how little you have. Mm. Stop saying, God, I need more. He said, no, you don't thank me for the little you have, and I'll multiply your little. Yeah. You keep saying you need more. I'm not giving you more because you don't appreciate the little that you have left. Mm. Oh, I can remember when Mike and I finally paid the bill. Glory to God. Mm. Step I had a little cash. You know how you have a wallet? I'm so proud of myself. Let me see something there. Hallelujah. I began to give thanks over the little that was left. Verse 11. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to his disciples. And the disciples to them that were set down. And likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. He did the same thing with the fish, gave thanks and distributed. Verse 12. And when they were filled. What happened to the little and much between Jesus getting it and distributing it? Getting it and distributing it. The only thing he, the Bible says he did was gave thanks. That's the only, 
He didn't get another lunch. He, nobody else found any more fish. Nobody else went to the store. Nobody. The only difference between the last lunch and the distribution was he gave thanks. Verse 12 says, and when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, come gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Somewhere, this little boy's, this lad's lunch went from just a lad's lunch to being something that God worked a miracle with that met every need. Every need. Somewhere between the little you have left and your spirit of thanksgiving. See, you can't praise God for what you have left and he not multiply. Come on, come on. Uh, you can't tell him, Lord, I love you for the $2. Lord, I love you for a reasonable portion of help and strength. You can't keep pressing even when the body is telling you to sit down and the Lord doesn't honor that. Amen. Somewhere between the last lunch and the people being full to the point of fragments left, Something happened to that fish in the loaf of bread. No, no, no. There was a multiplication that started with thanks. Mm -hmm. We have to stop looking at what we have left and complaining about it and say, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. I'm not even, I, don't ask me how we're going to make it next week. I don't, what? Mm -hmm. I'm living a day back. You, you ate today, go to bed. What? <laughs> You, you want me to, no, I, I don't even look at past, do I want the minimum. What is it to keep it on? That's the figure I'm to have, right? Forget all that up. I'm looking at the one just to keep it on. I am giving thanks for what I have so God can multiply that. Verse 13, therefore they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Verse 14, then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth. Now watch this. Now let's get back. Remember we said there's that responsibility in leadership. Jesus all of a sudden gets a crowd following him because of what they saw. Jesus works a miracle and the people see. Watch this. Then those, and it's all because of this. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth. Uh -huh. See, ultimately, people are following you so they can see Jesus. I want people to follow me, and at the end of the day, when they finish following me and watching my life, they'll say this, this is of a truth. Uh -huh. The prophet that should come in the world. In other words, they were convinced that this was now Jesus. Uh -huh. They were convinced that this is the miracle worker. They were convinced, not necessarily about what Jesus had said, but what Jesus had done. Verse 15, and when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force, the Bible says, then he made a king and departed again into the mountain alone. Jesus took responsibility for his leadership role when it dealt with the people. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, as believers in the last days, if we're going to win people to Christ, these are the last days. I have family members that need to be saved. How about you? I have people at work that see me every day. I need them saved. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need, I need them saved. I, family members, children. We need people saved. These are the last days. Here's the thing. I'm going to have to take responsibility and let Jesus shine through me. And therefore, people will follow me. Thanks for listening to the Life Worship Center podcast with Pastor Helene Robinson. If you're interested in joining us on Sundays, our services are held at the Clarence Cuffey Community Center at 2019 Windy Road, Chesapeake, Virginia, 23324. Our Sunday morning service is held at 1 p.m. and our Bible studies are held on Thursdays at 7 p.m. Join us and be blessed. And remember, there's life in the word.